0: Welcome to Short Stories, a new Brisbane Writers Group podcast and community radio series produced in Brisbane, Australia, showcasing a selection of short stories written and read as an audiobook by a group of talented writers from this city. In this episode, we feature the literary work of Tom Jones, a writer who loves to escape into the world of science fantasy.
1: Hi there. My name is Tom Jones and I usually have to say something like, don't ask me to sing, because I will, or something like that when I introduce myself. I'm retired these days, so it happens less than it used to. Well, after a lifetime of various and interesting jobs, including being a taxi driver, a hotel manager, and a paramedic, I have lots of experience to call on. I even delivered twins in the ambulance one day. Now there was an adventure. Nowadays, I spend a lot of time writing in the science fantasy genre. I love to escape into the world where anything is possible and there is magic in the air and there are no boundaries. My aim in writing is to provide a euphonic experience and try to make the moment appear in their minds and feel real. This story is called In Search of Magic. Once upon a medieval time, lost in a quiet backwater, stood the village of Grimthorpe. Some people said the town was miles from nowhere while others added sarcastically that it was even further away from somewhere. Trudging up the main street Ernest avoided eye contact with the people who tried to gain it with him. Not good came of his dealings with most of the townsfolk of Grinthorpe. As he resolutely gazed forward he heard one local thug shout Hey! Deadly! Where you going? It was Hogg the local bully. Though the term deadly was a facetious nickname, Ernest strangely liked it. It had an ominous ring to it. With a small smile on his face, he accelerated his step a little and got beyond the thug without the need of reply. Up ahead, he spied a knight and his squire as they turned their horses into the main street and automatically he angled away to one side. If nothing good came of his dealings with the townsfolk, even less of it came with a brush with those that rode horses. Ernest adjusted his path that he would have to take to Bessie's cottage. Only he knew her by that name. The village people called her Witch Hazel Blue Ring. He didn't know where the hazel came from, but Blue Ring was a local mushroom, and Bessie had a nose that could easily be mistaken for one. As always, Ernest took a circuitous route to make sure that no one saw him go there. "'Bessie had warned him from the first to take this precaution. "'Don't ye be letting the tombsfolk be coming here, "'or you'll be tired with the same brush as me, "'not to mention the feathers.' "'The people of Grimthorpe were a little wary of the witch "'and generally gave her a wide berth. "'This suited Bessie very well. "'Picking his way through the forest that surrounded the town, "'Ernest thought back to the first day "'he had gone to Hazel Blue Ring's cottage.' It had all begun with stories his father used to tell him when it got dark, stories of wizards and warlocks, merlins and mages. He would tell him of the spells and magic they wove, and the boy dreamed of being one of them, using magic to solve his problems. When his father had failed to wake up one morning, Ernest was left alone in the world, and after a period where everyone was nice to him for no apparent reason, he gradually became a target again. He had braved the trip to Bessie's cottage in search of the magic that would make him both feared and respected, though how you could be both remained a mystery to him. He would never forget that first meeting and how Bessie had appeared from nowhere as he crept up to her front door. Is it mischief you be looking to do? Bessie had intoned. As always, when a crisis arrived, Ernest stood stock still, struck dumb with indecision. "'He barely got out a stammering no when Bessie spoke again. "'What is it you want, then?' "'After what seemed an interminable time, Ernest said, "'I want to learn magic.' "'Bessie loomed forward, bringing her face close to his, and said, "'You do, do you?' "'Yes,' Ernest continued breathlessly. "'And why do you wish to learn magic, then?' "'Before he could answer, the old lady continued, "'And why is it you come to me to ask?' Ernest had then let his defences down and told Bessie of the insults and the beatings he had suffered. He had insisted that magic would keep them from him, and he would be left in peace. "'That still doesn't answer the question of why you came to me,' Bessie repeated. "'Well, you're a witch, aren't you?' Bessie's eyes arched, though her lips had a certain shape that suggested she wasn't as so much, so much angry as amused. "'And who says I'm a witch, Ernest?' "'Well, "'Everyone,' he said, with his chin jutting forward as if it was the one truth he knew. "'Well now, Ernest, I can see you have a lot to learn about what constitutes magic.' Bessie Waite wiped her hands on the apron and returned to the pie she had been preparing. After a moment she looked back to the boy, who was looking a little lost. "'Ernest!' "'If you are willing to learn, I will show you things that some people might regard as magic. "'But it's a long and difficult study, and that would be would be undertaking.' "'He was stunned. What could he say? "'It was an offer too good to refuse, "'yet something in Bessie's expression made him feel as though he had missed some crucial point. "'He analysed her words once again, "'and strained to find the vital thing he was looking for, but to no avail. "'Finally he looked in the witch's eyes and said, "'I want to learn.' Bessie smiled and said, And what will you be paying me then? Ernest was flummoxed. "Uh, I I, I don't have any money, he stammered. Well then, you'll have to do some work for me to make it worth my while, Bessie said in an angling tone. Ernest rushed forward like a fish for the bait. I will do whatever you want. Well then, you can start by chopping some wood while I finish this pie. He thought he heard the sound of a trap closing behind him, but he ignored it. The smell of the pie filled the air, and he wanted the magic desperately. He knew he would give himself completely to that end. After a moment's hesitation, he rose and went out to the woodpile, where the axe, embedded in the chopping block, resembled a sundial. At the sound of the chopping began, Bessie smiled and turned back to the pie. She let out a small sigh under her breath and said quietly, "'Well now, Bessie, ain't this a turn-up, then?' Ernest chopped a huge quantity of logs as if to emphasise his desire to learn magic. He returned with some under his arm and Bessie showed him the box by the fire where she kept her store. Now Ernest, go and wash yourself and when you come back I will have this pie ready for you. The boy did as he was told, he was pleased with himself. Things always felt good when they were simply achieved and honestly done. When he returned, Bessie was as good as her word. She had a large piece of pie set on the table and a cup beside it. He sat down and tucked in unashamedly. The wood chopping had given him an appetite, and the pie was delicious. When he drank from the cup, he was taken aback. He had thought it would be water, but the flavour was like nothing he tasted before. He looked askance at Bessie. Without waiting for him to speak, Bessie said, "'I call it Bessie's brew. It won't do you any harm.' "'It's delicious,' he said, and went back to eating the pie. Bessie joined her hands in front of her and said, "'Now then, in my experience it's best to speak to men when they're eating. "'They're less likely to interrupt for a start. "'What I am trying to say, Ernest, "'is I want you to listen carefully to what I have to say. "'No questions until I am finished, do you understand?' "'Ernest nodded as if already in the spirit of the pact. "'Good then.' "'Bessie leaned back and said, "'Ernest, I can teach you many things if you are willing to apply yourself. "'It will be not easy, though.' You will need patience for what you have to learn. The mundane things must come before you are able to appreciate the more spectacular. It will take a long time. In return for the knowledge I will give you, I will expect you to do some things for me, and there will be times when you may think these tasks are unworthy. I know I did when I did them myself. If you cannot do as I request, then we would have to part company. "'Ernest finished the pie, and Bessie fixed him with a stare and said, "'Now, any questions?' "'Ernest looked straight back and thought for a moment and said, "'Is there any more pie?' "'Bessie laughed out loud and said, "'I hope your appetite for the challenge ahead is as keen as it is for the pie. "'Sit there now and I'll fetch another piece.' "'When she returned, she said, "'Now mark me well, Ernest. "'You should not let anyone from the village see you come in here.' They are pretty narrow-minded folk there, and they can be as dangerous as dumb gets. He had now turned eighteen, and that day seemed so long ago. He had come to Bessie's, and his visit always began with a chore or two, before they got down to some learning. He was amazed at first, as she took him around the forest, and began to teach him the names of all things that grew. She taught him the properties of each one, and how they could be used, whether it be for cooking or for the treatment of various ills. He could tell that at first she was worried that he would become bored, but he was fascinated. He loved the feeling of power that the knowledge gave him. She also taught him how to avoid confrontations with villagers and how to recognise the signs of impending trouble. Slowly but surely, he mastered the lessons and it made him feel so much better in himself. She began to let him treat the injured animals they found... "'and Bessie marvelled at his long fingers "'as they became more and more expert at restoring the casualties. "'More than once he caught her looking down at him with a small smile. "'Bessie and Ernest would harvest all sorts of plants, "'and from them potions were made that at first seemed to make no sense. "'He remembered asking Bessie once why she made them that way. "'Because they work,' she had replied sharply, and he never asked again. "'One day he asked her, "'How do you make yourself invisible?' Bessie looked back at him and said, "'Ernest, there is a great deal of difference between being invisible and not being seen. I can tell you the latter is achieved by preparation and concentration. I should also warn you that the spell can be broken in an instant if you are not careful, and sometimes even if you are. The important thing is to always know what you are going to do next, and most especially you need to know it before anyone else does.' Ernest spent a lot of time pondering those words, and it took a long time for him to learn the wisdom that they contained. This has been a short story written and read by Tom Jones for the Brisbane Writers Group podcast.
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to this new podcast called Short Stories from a group of talented Brisbane writers. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a story or the next episode. Search for more short stories on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more information on our writers, head to our website, Podcast.com.au and click on the writer's contact page. Short Stories from the Brisbane Writers Group podcast is a Brisbane Podcasting Centre production supported by Brisbane City Council, the Queensland Government and the Community Radio Network.